Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code PODCAST for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. Hello, everybody. It's Lenny Murphy here with another edition of the Green Book Podcast. We appreciate your time and attention in joining us. And today we're going to have another wonderful conversation. I am joined by Thor Philogene. If I didn't butcher that too badly, Thor, the CEO and co-founder is Stravito. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Lenny. I appreciate it. And you know, we were joking beforehand. Uh, I am a well-known Uber geek. So being able to chat with anybody with the name of Thor, you know, I just get kind of giddy about it, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll try not to call you, you know, the God of Thunder during this conversation, but it, it may happen. So there's probably worse things you've been called over the years, right? Um, I've heard many, many uh, attempts to pronounce my name differently. I, I lived a year in Japan. That was, uh, that was painful. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. All right. Well, Thor, for those who don't know you, why don't we talk a little bit about you and about Stravito? So kind of tell us your story and then we'll go from there. Definitely. So no, very briefly about Stravito. Stravito is a Swedish business. We're founded in Sweden. We have offices in London, Amsterdam, and then people in, in North America. We were founded in 2017. Our product is what I would describe as an AI-powered enterprise insights platform. And the basic idea of that platform is to empower and to allow employees at global organizations, so the vast majority of our clients are Fortune 2000 companies, to search and discover consumer insights in seconds. And generally what's true for these companies is they have a global footprint, they have a global presence, so it's really essential that they're able to do so no matter where they are in the world. I would describe the problem we do is we, you know, we allow to centralize information. So we create one central hub for market research and consumer insights. And as an end user, it makes it easy for me and for me within the business to store, to discover, to understand, to use the research so they can make better decisions. And what brought you to create Stravito? Well, I think in order to understand why we started the company, uh, because we're four co-founders, you kind of need to take a look at our backgrounds. So two of my co-founders, Andreas Orbom and Andreas Lee, they ran Norm. So Norm has a product called SimStore, and it was a research agency that they ran for 15 years. During that period, they were serving some of the world's biggest brands. Now, that company, Norm, is, still exists, but it's not part of Ipsos. It was sold and is now part of Ipsos. And what they experienced while running that company was time and time again, their clients, so the people that would buy research from them, would reach out to them and say, hey, can I get a copy of that report I commissioned, you know, or, or maybe um, discover that, uh, you know, somebody on their team had the same type of research commissioned multiple times. So they effectively started to see the pain and the problem that we, to some degree, are solving now with Stravito. And at the same time, you know, myself and my other co-founder, Sarah Lee, we work in a company called Izetto. So short story is, you know, Izetta was acquired by PayPal and it's now part of that group. But I used to be the, the VP of growth and the chief revenue officer there. And uh, we were growing really 
rapidly. And, and one of the teams I, I started at iZetto was the data and analytics team. And I saw firsthand how when a company goes you know, from just a few people to a couple of hundred employees to five, 600 employees, we really had a hard time managing our data. So even, even at a very small scale, you know, five, 600 employees, it became very time consuming for global collaboration. It became hard to remain customer and customer and consumer centric at that scale. So it was really the combined experiences of the market research background and my experience running a data and analytics team in a, in a fast growing company that led to the birth of Stravito. Now, you know, I, I tend to think in terms of segments. So I would classify Stravito generally in what I call the knowledge management category, right? And we've seen the growth of, of a few platforms over the past few years that are trying to solve in various ways, you know, the same basic idea of how do you centralize information and make it available to the enterprise to be unlock more value and, and create more efficiencies. And there's lots of flavors in how that's being done. What makes Stravito different overall? I'd say it, it goes back to the foundational beliefs. I think, you know, when we started Stravito, we had one of our foundational beliefs was that if we take a look at the market, that enterprise software was bound to become eventually as easy as consumer type experiences. So if you think about yourself, you know, when, when you're not at work, when you're, you know, in your day to day, you might use applications like Spotify or Netflix, and you've grown accustomed to incredible user experiences. And let's not forget that those incredible user experiences, they're quite new. They didn't really exist 20 years ago. I mean, that's and something that people tend to forget. And our foundational belief is that we ultimately believe that that level of experience is bound to reach the enterprise at some point. So we told ourselves, well, let's build a company that actually makes that happen. And I think any of you that you know, have used uh, you know, companies like you know, services like Slack know that it's possible to do it within the enterprise. And we set out to do that in the enterprise, but for self-service enterprise insight software. And from that perspective, I think we're pretty unique. So let's get in the weeds a little bit on that because I have looked at this category and I think about, it seems that there's two basic models. One is more of a taxonomic tagging type of structure, which quite frankly is kind of a pain in the ass mm -hmm. uh, from an implementation standpoint, right? It's a, it's a heavy lift to... Mm -hmm aggregate all of that content, tag it, and put it into a framework that makes sense and is searchable. The other is more AI-driven, mm -hmm. where it's you know, basically Google on steroids, where it's you know, tagging those things themselves. An easier lift from an implementation standpoint, but often more expensive, really, in some ways, because you know, this technology is more sophisticated. With that idea of a superior user experience, how is Stravito tried to bridge that gap or where do you guys fit in that usability perspective of you know implementing and then accessing the information once it's all loaded in yeah no i think i think that's that's a great question and i the way i would answer it is i think that typically what we see is that there's um basically organization go through multiple phases you know and the, in the initial phase they might try and solve something, you know, on their own with software that's, you know, readily available internally, you know, stuff like SharePoint. And I think then at some point they give up, you know, it doesn't work, they've tried. And they kind of go into an initial phase where the ambition is to centralize and preserve. So I would call that centralization and preservation phase. 
And in that initial phase, the main objective is to centralize, is to remove manual work. And their technology definitely you know, helps because you can do a lot of the tagging automatically. And you ensure that there's not a leaking bucket in terms of organizational memory loss. You know, ultimately, however, it's important to remember this phase is about empowering the gatekeeper to serve the organization. It's about empowering the CMI person to serve the organization. Now, what then happens is when people get accustomed to that, they say, oh, this is pretty neat. This is pretty awesome. You know, now, you know, I'm empowered, I'm augmented, I can do much more than I could before. They get to a point where they say, well, actually, maybe if, if I stop serving people altogether, what if we do self-service? <laughs> so then they get to a point where they want to democratize and they really want to effectively enable self-service and empower the organization to what I would call you know, increased velocity of frontline decisions, which means, you know, people that are out in the field, they're doing marketing campaigns, or they're just like, they're actually, you know, driving the business. They want those people to access information faster. And I think, although I agree with what you said, I think they're really technology focused. And I think our approach is let's not talk about technology. Let's rather talk about the user experience that, and the reality of the workflow people have. And how can we facilitate that? I actually try not talking about you know, machine learning and AI because I think it's, those are just such strong buzzwords. And who really cares? You could do rule-based stuff that's amazing. You know? And if it, if it solves your problem, you don't need AI. So I, I, again, I think talking about the user experience is really talking about the user's problem and not the technology that you're then applying to solve whatever you want to do. No, that makes sense. And- and thinking about, well, just my own personal knowledge management, right, within my own, just here in my office, right, often wished for something that was basically a hybrid of, of Pinterest with some algorithmic power of, let's say, Netflix from a recommendation standpoint, you know, to be able to just access things instead of my, you know, my file directory and <laughs> all of those things. And it's such, it's there, it's all there, but you know, it's not particularly easy to pull it together and access it in any meaningful way. And, you know, solutions like SharePoint or Dropbox or, you know, even Google Drive, they just don't, they don't cut it in terms of user experience of making it easy to do that. So I totally get that. Now, again, thinking of some of the other platforms out there, it seems if there's also been a disconnect between curation of information and additional analyses, the ability to be able to, you know, okay, well, I want to combine these files and look at them in a new way. Is that something that Stravito has tried to tackle as well to make it a, a one-stop shop? Very much so. And I think that on top of that one-stop shop, because we do connect your all of your different data sources, you can have everything accessible through one URL. And through Active Directory, you can effectively feed people a very personalized experience meaning that we actually know who you are at the organization, and then we can give you the right access to the right content, depending on what geography you cover, what product you work with, and, and which creates the, you know, a personalized experience, you know, very similar to what you would expect in an app like Spotify or Netflix. And I think that because we're able to personalize on an individual basis, and again, you know, we can use things like industry, language, you know, and other signals that we might pick up, it can also mean that we can provide users with a completely different level of personalization in the sense that it's the, the 
really the right information to the right employee at the right time. And that's not something that traditionally exists in enterprise software. So we think it's pretty cool to actually, you know, be able to bring that into an industry or a sphere that traditionally hasn't seen that. Well, and even the attempts, and we'll get more into kind of your entrepreneurial journey from this question, because if we look at the overall competitive landscape, right? We have the platformification of data collection, right? And all of the platforms, they want to be the repository of all information. I mean, famously, that was part of the core uh, selling proposition for Qualtrics, for instance, right? And even the when SAP bought them, you know, it was clear that they were looking at, all right, we're going to consolidate information in one platform. No, I don't think they pulled that off the way that they maybe originally had intended, but it was it was obvious that's where they were going. One platform to rule them all, right? I don't think anybody has done that. There is no one platform to rule them all. I think that the industry is way too fragmented the specialized suppliers who do different things, et cetera, et cetera, for that to ever happen. But it is a competitive issue, right, overall. What have you found in engaging with end clients with that perspective of, look, we do we do all of our CX on this platform. We do all of our online qual on this platform. And we do this over here on that platform. And all of that data is housed there. Has it been a hard sell to convince them to say, okay, that's stored there. We got it. That's where you collect the data. But let's pull it into the centralized solution so that we can unlock more value. How have you navigated that competitive landscape? No, I think that's a, that's a super relevant question. And I think it all comes back to how we think about product development, which is we will not do everything that everybody you know says they want. Ultimately, we'll try and look at the workflows that people have and and try and based on our analysis of the workflows try and understand the things that make sense and there are times where we'll say well you know what you're saying is great but i don't think you know we should do it for you actually i mean there are great tools out there that are you know much better at doing x y and z then you should use them and if you want we can integrate elements of that into our platform and i think it comes back to this you know i think it's a it's a saying that basically says that you know if if Porsche would, you know, the car manufacturer, if they would take all the feedback they get in terms of what they should do with their cars, they would build a Volvo, you know, it'll be more secure, it will be, and they're not going to, right? So I think it's ultimately really about listening to the problems that they surface, but not necessarily doing what the kind of the end user tells you to do in terms of solving that problem. All right, so you launched in 2017. Here we are, 2022. Give us a sense of how you've grown. You know, where are you today? You raised a sizable amount, you know, yeah. $2.6 million US dollars, Series A funding. Mm-hmm. So just give us a sense of that journey. Sure. So, so mul- multiple questions. So first of all, what, what, yeah, you know, t- tell us a bit about the journey. And I think, you know, so um, I'm, I'm very happy because I, I look at our company and, you know, we, the business has grown exponentially over the past five years. I mean, the company was founded in mid-2017. We now have established presence on multiple continents in Europe, in North America. Uh, we've got healthy revenues, and we've more than doubled our revenues in the past 12 months. We have an amazing client base. We have amazing customers. Some of them include Danone, Carlsberg, Electrolux in Europe, companies like you know Comcast, McDonald's, 7-Eleven in the US. You know, as a company, we're approaching 70 employees. And I think 
What I'm particularly proud of is that we're proud to count more than 25 nationalities on the team. So it's truly a diverse organization. So that's a bit more about our journey so far. You also asked about the fundraise. What can I say? You know, 14.6 million. It's a you know, fantastic milestone for us. It's funding that it allowed us to accelerate uh, our growth plans. We've been able to bring in stellar talent in that process. And as part of the Series A, we actually appointed Elaine Rodrigo, who is now is currently the Chief Insights and Analytics Officer at Reckitt, to our board of directors. And, and I mean, El- Elaine, apart from being amazing, brings you know, 20 years of industry experience, you know, leading insights and analytics departments at Fortune 500 companies. She brings that, you know, to our board, and that's amazing. You know, she she used to be at Danone. She's been in multiple of these companies, but it was at Danone that I first met her, and I I got to know her. We also um, recently actually continued to add more, you know, uh, strong people that can support us to our board. So we added Mike Lavin. He's the current CEO of Currency Cloud, which was recently acquired by Visa for a billion dollars to our board of directors, and. Similar to, you know, Elaine, Mike brings a great deal of experience of how, how do you scale a tech company? So we've been able to really kind of add people at multiple layers of the organization to support our ambition. And right now, I'd say that we are very much doubling down, kind of being laser focused on product development. We have a number of really exciting product updates in our pipeline. Love to share more about that if, if you're curious. And yeah, no, continuing to expand multiple verticals, multiple markets, and looking to grow our presence in the U.S., where we're seeing a lot of great interest. That's great. Well, and I know you're one of your U.S. folks, uh, Brandon Beacon. He lives here in Atlanta, and Brandon and I go way back. So I've gotten bits and pieces from him when we occasionally chat. All right, so you put it out there. You wanted to, to give us a sneak peek. Go ahead. Let's, let's come <laughs> down the bike for Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think. If I give you a, a teaser a bit of kind of the, the 2022 stuff, we're very excited to launch a product that we're calling Atlas, which is a very innovative and uh, I'd say highly visual tool that allows users to, what best describe, explore market data and insights. And by so doing, get extra context, identify trends, build stories around key findings. And it was, a product that we designed to make it really easy from a visual perspective to find and to connect relevant insights. So uh, while if you think about it, while a consumer insights professional might know exactly what to search for, there are other people in the organization that might not. So uh, as an example, you know, a user might say search for a word like sustainability and get like, you know, over a thousand pages of information about it. But when you get that level of you know results, you kind of get an information overload. And what Atlas has been designed to do is to effectively allow users to refine and to create through a visual experience for a broader audience, the ability to navigate and to find easier answers easily. Whereas for insights professionals and people that might actually know exactly what they're looking for, it might be a source of inspiration, you know, and uh, an opportunity through like visual navigation to be able to get the bigger picture, to build an insights narrative. So yeah, no, we're, we're super excited. We already have like, um, you know, I would say best in class search experience. 
And this is really kind of a new level of search experience that we're, we're launching through Atlas. So uh, very, very exciting about this. So here's another kind of old battle in the research world, right? Between, let's say, dashboards or online portals for reporting, but 90% of all research products are delivered via Office, right? PowerPoint and Excel. Uh, and it just is what it is. And gosh, there's just forever been the debate of how do we move people onto uh, the cloud-based or, or portal-based, dashboard-based reporting. And so many researchers, myself included, right, with grit, it, it still comes down to uh, we're writing it in Word and we're creating charts in Excel, you know, uh, and, and putting them in. Is Atlas an attempt to create that online reporting solution, for lack of a better term, or reporting capability to say, look, we here's this information and you can access it here visually to create that narrative, including charts and graphs? Is that built in or is it more of the here's bits and pieces of existing reports that have been delivered and putting them together in one place? Mm, no, I, absolutely. No, I th the way I would think about it is, is for the broader audience, it's a way to navigate in a visual way to find answers easily. And for an insights professional, it's really to get inspiration and to get the bigger picture and to, to think about how, are my, how am I going to build my insights narratives? So the way it's going to work it's, is insights will be presented in a very digestible way. You'll have key pages, you'll have top reports, but it can be anything. It can be videos, it can be links to external web pages. And what we then do is we use our algorithms to effectively highlight the most relevant quotes, the most relevant pages, which means that as an end user, you might save hours, you know, because you don't have to scroll through lengthy reports and instead benefit from like an automated synthesis instead, you know, some key insights. So it's, it's really a way to explore information. That's how I would summarize it. So much today is video and audio. Can you incorporate that as well? Absolutely. Video, that's definitely part of it. Very cool. Very cool. So if I can encapsulate what I've heard so far, and you tell me if I'm capturing this correctly, it wasn't so much that you set out to solve a problem around how to organize information in a centralized hub. The problem that you wanted to solve was based more on the principle of how do we make that easy and accessible so the enterprise will actually use it because it's, <laughs> it dare I say, even enjoyable to go through that process of uncovering information, historical information, versus having to just go through clunky search algorithms, et cetera, et cetera, to try and find stuff. It, it was, your values are focused more on creating a better user experience for insights professionals at the enterprise versus just the utilitarian aspects of knowledge management. Is that a pretty good summary? Definitely. And I think if we're, if we're going to make an analogy to, to something that many of us can relate to, say a house, let's say you decide to build a house. If technology is the materials you use to effectively build the house, and you know whether you have a wooden floor or a marble floor, then the user experience is really how how the room layout is. And it's really hard to kind of retrofit different like layout to a house once you've built it, which is really kind of our foundational belief is user experience is something you start with with the first brick. 
is really something you need to get right from the beginning. Otherwise, you will not be able to retrofit it. So, um, you know, yes, but I agree with what you said. I think what we are doing fundamentally is, you know, we connect all insights tools and uh, we're able to do so. So you can effectively, you know, get your, your data visualization tools, your Tableau, your Power BI, your third-party research firms like Forrester or Euromonitor integrated by APIs. You can connect your SharePoint or your Google Drive, but ultimately it's that user experience, you know, that kind of weaves everything together to create what many of our clients call the Spotify for Insights, which is the, the platform that we have, which is something that is actually quite nice to use that does not require training and does not require, you know, hours of preparation and manuals and that type of stuff. That, that's great. Thank you. And I, I do love that Spotify for Insights. So I'm also aware that there's been a challenge of adoption in the past. So I've been involved with some, some projects with large brands who have gone down a similar path over the years, spent a lot of money, and it just kind of sits there. Right. And getting adoption of the platform has been painful at best. So is the ease of use part of the secret sauce of crossing that chasm? Or is there something else that you guys build into the implementation to help get people to actually use the platform? No, no, definitely. I, I think, you know, um, if I start with something else, I think when large, you know, organizations reach out to us and then and they're interested in what we're doing, they of course want the software, but they also want their problem solved. You know, so I think from our perspective, we of course solve most of the problems through our software, but we also make sure to go beyond that and also in through services, simply help them get their problems resolved. But going back to what you said about, you know, insights not being used and information not being used, I think, you know, many of us have seen insight reports being purchased for, you know, 20, 30, or even more, you know, grand. But you would never buy a car for 30 grand and never drive it. But that happens within large organizations. Companies spend millions of dollars acquiring oceans of insights. But what still happens is in many cases, a lot of that information goes unused. So I think I'm actually going to tie it to, um, you had a conversation in your third podcast episode, the, the wild, wide west of research ops. And I think what we believe is that an insight platform should not simply just store research. Ultimately, it's about empowering organizations to discover, empowering organizations to understand and to use insights. And we do that through curated collections of insights and that through them, you can actually build an insights narrative. You know, just one example, I mean, I was at uh, Quirks last week presenting with Burberry and we worked really close to them to build what they call the Burberry Insights Hub. And I think what they have been able to do through the Burberry Insights Hub is to move towards more of a single source of truth within the organization. And through that, they've been able to get more clarity. And through that, they've been able to get more insight engagement. And what I thought was really exciting about the way they talked about it was that they saw the Burberry Insights Hub almost like a live newsroom, you know, <laughs> something that would, that would kind of deliver um, collections of insights throughout the Burberry organization. And I find that super interesting, you know, because it's more than simply disseminating the insights. 
It's also to create a narrative around the insights that makes it more digestible, you know, that is, makes it more like spoon feeding, if you will. Now, that reminds me of, gosh, probably a decade ago, there was a famously came out about P&G having data war rooms across the organization where literally you'd walk in and there were, were screens that were basically dashboards feeding different types of information. Some were traditional insights, some were supply chain related, some were production related, et cetera, et cetera. But they were trying to pull the information from various aspects of the business to create a, a, a business intelligence hub across the board. When you think about uh, Stravito, are you looking at incorporating other data sources rather than kind of what we think about as the, the traditional realm of market research or insights so that those can be incorporated in as well? Like let's say supply chain management or social media analytics. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, you know, I think uh, that's something that what I try to do in my role as a CEO and, and, and one of the founders of this company is to make sure that I have my ear on the ground and, and talk to leaders, you know, in the space, get inspiration from them, because otherwise, you know, it's just going to be an echo chamber of my own thoughts. And that's never going to tell me where the puck is going. So definitely, you know, I think we started out with applying, you know, machine learning to analyze and tag information automatically. We're the first to do it. We then kind of moved on to video and audio and you know transcription and and really kind of pushing the algorithms to serve the end user to effectively remove manual work. Because I think what if there's like one big general trend that I'm seeing is teams are getting smaller, but like the data sources are just increasing. So there are more data sources to siphon through with less people. So I think ultimately our task is just how can we just free up some time? How can we augment these people? And going back to your point, you know, if it involves integrating new data sources or you know that we haven't looked at in the past, if it makes sense for them, if it fits into what they normally would have done, you know, kind of you know a task switching between different windows, of course we should look into doing that. But ultimately, it's it's really again going back to. Not thinking about, we have this technology, you know, how can we be better at putting it on the other direction instead focusing on how is the reality for these people looking like and how can we augment them and how can we save them more time because time is becoming a very scarce resource. Yep. No, I love that. I love that perspective that the technology largely exists, right? It's the factor of, of how do we deploy it, but if we deploy it, where it makes life harder for people, <laughs> then that's a misfire. Uh, if we can deploy it so that it makes life easier for everybody, then that's a win. So that's a great perspective. Right, I want to be conscious of, uh, of your time as well as the, the time of our listeners. So you talked about Atlas. What do you see ahead for Stravito in the next two to three years? What does that vision look like for you in terms of product and Success milestones. Mm, no, absolutely. You know, I think our success is really um, a mirror of our client's success. You know, ultimately, if we, if we, it would be very short-minded to think about our our success as anything else. Ultimately, we we are only successful if we help our clients to become even more successful. So, I think going back to what I was saying about the general trend and you know teams being smaller, budgets being slashed. I think there are a couple of really interesting things that one should anticipate. And in my view, I think we have a mission statement that is uh, simplify knowledge discovery. 
And given the amount of data that is actually coming our way as insights professionals, I think we as a company need to step up and really go beyond knowledge discovery to knowledge understanding, which means that now I'm sitting on this sea of data and it's everything is centralized and accessible and the UI is really nice and I know how to use it, but I need time. So how can we, Stravito, support you by doing part of that analysis for you so you can actually have more time to think strategically about what you, where you want to take your organization, your products, et cetera. So that's what I think was, was going to be the theme for the coming two to three years. And for you personally, what will you consider a point where you can say, all right, I, I have, obviously you've already achieved immense levels of success, right? But what is that next personal benchmark for you that you say, you know what, I've achieved something great here outside of just the business growing. What is that personal benchmark, that personal personal KPI for you? It's a tough question. And I think if, if I'm honest and if I look at, I look at myself, uh, I, I don't have traditional career ambitions. That's why I'm an entrepreneur. So what motivates me is to what I would say, solve hairy problems. <laughs> and uh, and what I've noticed, and it was actually somebody else who told me that success is really a byproduct of this, you know, and then the way I think about it is almost like you would look like a game of football, you know. I'm very much inspired by Bill Walsh, the, the coach of the, the Niners, the 49ers. If you haven't read his book, it's it's amazing. But it's don't focus on the score, you know, instead focus on all the components that you think that you're in your way of play that was going to increase the probability of success, such as making the passes in the right way. And if you do that, then the score will take care of itself, you know? So, so, it, so that's, that's my answer to that question. That's a good one. I have a motto that I heard a long time ago that I think it's related that, you know, happiness is a byproduct of right living, right? Now that right living has lots of different permutations, right? And for me, I think about that as being, you know, successful in business because I'm doing the right thing in business, right? My kids often ask me, Dad, what do you do for a living? It's like, I help people. And ultimately, that's how I think about it. I, I help people. And helping people makes me happy. So therefore, that's my personal level of success, right? That That's how I measure my personal success. Am I feeling good about what I do every day? And if I'm not feeling good about it, then I need to do something different. I think it's a similar, similar idea. So... Appreciate that. All right, Thor, how can people reach you? So they can go to our website, stravito.com, or they can email me, thor at stravito.com, or they can connect with me and send me a message on LinkedIn. All right. And now one last thing, because you and I were geeking out a little bit, because in the background, you can see my comic collection and the Conan box. So last question then. Tell us a little bit about what you really enjoy reading and doing on the side that people may be surprised by. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I have a big passion for languages. I mean, I, I happen to speak four of them. I think that languages are really, they're the gateway into uh, human culture and human thought. So if, if I would ever geek out into something, it's, I would spend more time exploring a, a weird language. <laughs> What's the weirdest language you speak then? Uh, Spanish, not very weird. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I speak I speak French and Spanish and Swedish and English. 
Okay, I thought you were going to say, you know, what they speak in Finland. I can't think of the actual term for it. I don't no, think, is, no, it no, no. Finnish? is it Finnish? It uh, is Finnish, yeah, but it's a very difficult language to learn. Yes. So if you said that you knew how to speak Finnish, I was going to be really impressed because I know that it's a, it's, a, it's a very odd one. I took Latin in high school. That's my only language, the most pragmatically useless language that there is. But anyway, on that note, thank you so much for the time. It's a great conversation. Congratulations on all of the success. Look forward to having you back and hearing about the next epoch that you you enter into. I'm sure there will be one. And in the meantime, to our listeners, thank you so much. A couple uh, quick notes. Uh, I want to thank you, obviously our guest, our producer, Karen Lynch, our editor, James Carlisle, and our episode sponsor, Stravito. Now, let me just say that, yes, thank you for sponsoring, but this was an organic conversation that we wanted to have no matter what. But it's always nice when folks help to support the podcast as well. So thank you for that as well, Thor. And uh, that's it. So Everybody have a great rest of your day. Appreciate your time and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Join Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transporting insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.